Blog Talk Radio. to my w sports sports monday another week has gone by and yes we're back at it again here on blog talk radio Luis sanchez kyle westcott eric ayala always a pleasure to join you we have a lot to get to in this shortened show on this monday evening or late night if you want uh cwhl weekend to wrap up we had an incredible amount of games going on in the cwhl holiday weekend for the nwhl but we do have some news there ncaa hockey some basketball soccer, and volleyball, plenty of action to get to there as well. And we also had the World Cup weekend at Killington. Uh, We'll swing it over to Kyle for this week's Fun Fact of the Week. Sure. Fun Fact of the Week this week is that, the, as you just mentioned, the World Cup came to Killington. Uh, The World Cup, if you don't know, is a collection of 30 to 40 races per year, depending on cancellations, weather conditions, things like that. And... They are they are staged throughout the world, uh, so it could be in any country, Europe, America, uh, it's been in the, the uh, Far East, uh, everywhere. Um, and it pits the best alpine ski racers head-to-head in the four main disciplines, which are slalom, giant slalom, super G, and the downhill. And this past weekend, Killington hosted both the slalom and the giant slalom on the women's side for the World Cup. And this was the first time the World Cup races were held on the east coast of the United States since the men's giant slalom was run at Waterville Valley, New Hampshire, in 1991. Oh, wow. 1991 is a long time ago, Kyle. It might not seem like it, but that's, that's quite a while. Mathematically speaking, that's 25 years we have to leave it to our resident math expert to give us the exact number, <laughs> obviously. EA, we have a lot of action to get to today on our rundown, but some things we might not get to. Um, what are some things around the leagues that, that's going on that some of our fans might have missed out on this past week? Around the leagues? Well, uh, there's always lots going on, but uh, we just got word that the United States ball hockey team uh, has been released. And for those Riveters fans, you might recognize a few names. Uh, Cherie Stewart, we did a profile on her. She will be returning. But one of the rookies this year, or in 2017, will be Amber Moore. Both played with the New York Riveters last season. That's pretty cool, and uh, if you haven't seen it, check out that piece on Sherry on MyWSports.com, really well written by Erica, uh, and 
get you a little more into detail on the life of Sherry and, and what she meant to the Riveters last season um, in that inaugural year. All right, right back into it. World Cup, let's go, let's, let's go back to it, Kyle, because this, this is kind of cool. Uh, you were actually there this weekend at Killington. You got to see some of this action. Why don't you fill us in on, on what happened and what to know, what to keep track of as, as we get into the skiing season? Excuse me. Sure. So, so like I said in the uh, the fun fact, the World Cup is a collection of, of quite a few races. Every weekend, they they run roughly two or three races, depending on on the weekend. And this weekend, as I said, Killington hosted the Slalom, which is the more, most technical uh, race where turns are shorter and quicker, and, and roughly at a, at about one turn per second or slightly over one second uh giant slalom is just a little the gates are just a little farther apart um they're usually between 10 to 15 meters apart um and so the the turns are a little bit longer but it's a little longer in in distance wise of a course as well um so this is only after the second race of the season now after finishing this past weekend at killington but it was a huge weekend not only, as I mentioned, for the East Coast to host another World Cup for the first time in 25 years, but the first time in Vermont since 1978 when they they hosted uh, the World Cup at Stratton Mountain in Vermont. Um, and it was just, it was uh, such an awesome atmosphere. Uh, they estimated on Saturday about 16,000 people, and and it was just wall to wall. Everybody was spread out along the, the trail People were, were lined up going up the trail. They would hike up the trail to be able to see the skiers go past them as they ski down the mountain as well. And it was just an awesome atmosphere. And on Saturday, they had the giant slalom. And on Saturday, one of the bigger names in the competition on Saturday is Laura Goot. And Lara is, is a great ski racer. She's a little bit more on the the speed races like the downhill and the super G, but she also can be very competitive at the, the giant slalom ranks as well. And she was the fourth person out of the gate and she didn't make it to the top crest of the hill to come down to where we were because she hit a divot and went off the side of the trail. She was okay, but this was not the first and not the last person to do this uh, on Saturday. The, the conditions were a little rough, uh, in total, uh, there were 16 racers that didn't finish uh, one of the two runs. Um, so what you do basically is you 61 people ran in the first round. They cut that down to the top 30. The top 30 then run in rever- reverse order. And the, the best time that is combined between the two runs is the winner. And so on Saturday, we had uh, a very young, very talented French woman, Tessa Worley, uh, who has been moving up the ranks very quickly in giant slalom. She took the, uh, the gold medal, the first place finish on Saturday with Nina Loseth out of Norway in second and Sofia Goggia out of Italy uh, third. And, and really the highlight here was the Italian team. Uh, Goggia was the only one to finish in the top three However, they had five Italians in the top 10, which is just an amazing feat when you think the Americans only were able to put one person in the top 30. So it's just an amazing feat for the Italians, and it really goes to show their depth. Um, On Sunday, 
Sunday was the solemn race, and and this is a little bit more kind of in our wheelhouse for our American racers, and specifically Michaela Schifrin. And Michaela Schifrin, uh, for those who don't know, is uh, not only a two-time world champion slalom racer, but also the gold medalist at Sochi in slalom racing. And mind you, she's still uh, very young. She's only 21. Um, So she came out on fire, uh, had an unbelievable first run, led by uh, six-tenths of a second, which, in again, in slalom, because it's a much shorter race, is an amazing amount of time. And she would go on to have just a solid second run and hang on to win uh, the second run. And, and again, mind you, Schifrin is not only an American, but she also was born in New Hampshire. She also went to school at the uh, Burke Ski Academy in Burke, Vermont. And so this is a huge win for her as well, being a, a quote-unquote New Englander, even though now she lives in Colorado, but, but being a New Englander and to win at Killington in Vermont. Coming in second was Wendy Holdner out of Switzerland and Veronica Velez-Zuzulova out of uh, Slovakia was third on the day. So just an unbelievable uh, couple of days, just a great weekend for anybody who is a, or a ski racer. There was over a thousand uh, junior racers as well, able to go and just watch these, these athletes perform and to see them come off the mountain and give them high fives as they walk through the tunnel of people. Uh, it was just a great thing for young ski racers to be able to see that as well. Well, and Kyle, to that point as well, you think about five Italians in the top ten. You think about Michaela Schiffen, uh coming back home to the New England area and having this event on the Northeast for the first time since 78. I, I guess I got a couple of questions for you. The first one, let's start with the Northeast. Kind of why, why do you think it's not – I mean, you know, winter up in the Northeast is, is pretty hectic. So thinking about other places, uh, why, why do you think it hasn't been here in so long? You think that, but you have to remember that that we still get um, we still get decent snow, but it's not it's not always a guarantee. So, for instance, next week they head up to Lake Louise in Canada, where you're almost guaranteed, even though it's only November, they're almost always guaranteed to have decent snow at this time of year. It really comes down to three things: you really need uh, actual snow, you need temperatures to be low enough, and you need the humidity to be low enough so that way it doesn't get to be just a soggy mess. You need it to really stick and be a good solid pack uh, for these kinds of races. And secondly, you have to remember that, that maybe not slalom because it's a shorter distance uh, course, but really the other ones, you need a much longer course. So even the giant slalom really pushed the limits of what Killington could hold because they were going at the top of, of the Superstar Trail, which is a very well-known trail at Killington, and they were even going up above that to be able to allow the racers to get the distance that they needed for this race. When you think about adding in either a Super G or a downhill race, there probably isn't the, the trail length uh, like that too many places in uh, in New England to be able to host something like that. Part of that, you were talking about the conditions and, and racers not being able to finish. When you think about the conditions and you think about some of these, uh, you know, this I guess this new atmosphere for some of these racers, did it benefit, you know, more of the U.S. players? And you can kind of negate that with the five Italians in the top ten, but um, do, do you think some U.S. people were, were benefiting from the conditions or was it just kind of equally uh, – you know, difficult for everybody else. 
No, I think it was equally difficult for everybody. I think e- even you think about a Michaela Schifrin, like I mentioned, she went to school uh, from the, the, the age of 11 until she graduated high school uh, within the same state. I, I'm not going to venture or guess how many miles it is, but it's, but it's within the same state. It's not that far. And yet she said she never raced, she never skied, I should say, down Superstar uh, at Killington. Um, it's not generally set up to be a, a race trail. It's usually very uh, full of moguls, and it's, it's, a quite, it, it's an amazing trail uh, that I've been down, and I, I don't know that I've gone down it more than once uh, because that's how difficult it is when it's, it's in its normal state. Um, so no, I don't think that it, it really helped any of the Americans more than any of the others, other than possibly being able to know the, the snowpack that the New England ski areas get versus what you get out west, which is a little bit more of a light, fluffy snow. Um, but, but that being said, um, Schifrin did train here when she was in school, but not all of the other racers did. When you think of the other American racers, uh, Nino O'Brien is from the West Coast. Razy Stiegler is from the West Coast. So, so no, I don't think it really did help um, anybody over anybody else. Okay. And um, <clears throat> you talked about Schifrin, and, and, you know, for a lot of people, they recognize the name Lindsey Vaughn. Is Schifrin that next name that people have to start recognizing and start, ha- you know, starting to, to say, hey, this is – uh, uh, an athlete who represents the sport. Absolutely. And, and if you don't yet, please take a look at Michaela Schifrin because when you think of the, the best in the world, um, again, with the four different disciplines, Lindsey Vaughn is more of a downhill and a super G racers. She might get a win in giant slalom once in a while, but she is not a slalom racer. Uh, whereas Schifrin is more She's okay with the giant slalom, but when you think of her 22 World Cup wins that she has now, or sorry, 23 World Cup wins that she has now, 22 of them are in slalom, only one in in the giant slalom. So these are both names that you need to know. And and as I said, Schifrin has just really moved to the front of that pack in the more technical races versus Sean uh, versus Lindsey Vaughn, who is on the uh, the the larger uh, more speed races. And if, if Kyle Westcott has only gone down a hill one time because it's <laughs> that difficult, I, I think, you know, give it to some of these racers who are out there um, going out for the first time on this, on this event. And, and Kyle, so what do we have looking forward to in the next, um, next ski cycle or racing cycle? And not to mention they're doing it at, at about um, uh, 45 to 50 miles per hour. I promise you I was not doing 45 <laughs> to 50 miles per hour down that trail. Um, so next week, uh, like I said, Lake Louise, Canada, uh, which is a, a venue that they go to, the World Cup goes to almost every year. Uh, it's just a great facility, great trail, um, just great all-around atmosphere up there in Lake Louise. Next week, they have two downhill races and one Super G. Again, that would be the Lindsey Vaughn uh, race to, to be had um, as she has dominated Lake Louise over the last few years. Unfortunately, uh, two, uh, now three weeks ago, she broke a bone in her upper arm and is still recouping from that. So I doubt we'll see uh, Lindsay next week, but we hope for a, an even speedier recovery for Lindsay. Absolutely. We'll try to keep you up to date on all the World Cup and all the skiing action here on MyW Sports as we move into the future and in closer and closer to that Winter Olympics. Uh, speaking of Winter Olympics, there will be some hockey played 
in that event. And let's get right into the Canadian Women's Hockey League. Uh, only hockey in action besides collegiate hockey, which we will get to in just a moment. But the CWHL returned, and it's the Boston Blades going against the Calgary Inferno. And it sounds like we just saw this matchup, and we did. And the scores might be almost as similar um, after that weekend with Boston and Calgary. We also saw Montreal take on the Brampton Thunder. Another great weekend for the opponents of the Thunder. It seems like any time a team can escape Montreal with the win, they have uh, you know that much more reason to celebrate. So, EA, I'll bring you in on, on, on this conversation with the Canadian Women's Hockey League. We talked a lot about Boston and what they've lost and, and what it means this season. They have 16 rookies on the year. They go to Calgary and they get swept by the Inferno. Uh, Genevieve Lacasse, she makes her debut against the Blades. What are your thoughts about Boston and right now what seems to be the favorite in the CWHL, the Calgary Inferno? I mean, I, I don't think we can really be surprised uh, by how either team performed particularly this weekend. Um, there was a lot of conversation about whether Boston was going to be able to put together a team that would be a little bit more competitive. Um, and I think they're they're really – making a case to, to do that, but there is still a lot of growth that, that needs to happen with that team. As far as Calgary, I think it's just a matter of, you know, who's going to win out the starting spot on any given game. Um, I'm sure there were a lot of, uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, ribbing going on between old teammates. Uh, you know, it's always um, exciting to see former, former teammates maybe a little more ramped up just because of some of the emotions and the excitement. But um, as we see, Calgary was able to, to come out victorious. Hey, Kyle, same to you. I mean, 16 rookies on this Blades team. And we talked, you know, on air, off air, uh, through text, through social media about, you know, what this season means for the Blades and, and how they fit into the whole Canadian Women's Hockey League. Now I'm going to throw this out there to you, Kyle. After the first game against the Blades, the Infer- I forget who it was, but it was an Inferno player who did the, the post-game interview, and she said, look, we're coming into this game trying to get 17 shots a period. Now, I don't know. I, I've been around hockey for a long time, and I don't know if I've ever heard a team say, we're trying to go for 17 shots a period. Um, what are your thoughts about that and, and, and the Blades this season so far? Well, they can check that one off their list because they had 52 <laughs> total shots. I, I mean, the, I don't know. It's it's really frustrating because you, you, you had a Blades team last year that seemed to have at least the goaltending set, and then it was just a matter of, okay, we got to fill in the gaps on the offensive side. And, and I just don't – I don't think, one, I know that their, their goaltending is not as good as it was last year, and two, I don't think they did – what they needed to do offensively. When you look at when you look at the Boston Blades of last year, this was a team that would chip it into the zone and just kind of waltz in and hopefully try to get it. But most of the time, it was just going to be uh, it was just going to be a turnover and and the Inferno would be going the other direction. This, I didn't think that they had been doing that of late, but this game seemed like it was a step in the wrong direction because. When you get one shot on goal in the first period and you get three, uh, sorry, two shots on goal in the third period, that's, that's not even close to being called an offense. I mean, that's, that's just throwing a puck towards the net and, and there's one, okay, there's two. So I'm really frustrated with this. And and I hope that there's, there's either some growth from these, from these young players, like you mentioned with all the rookies that they have, 
uh, or or something happens where they can maybe make a splash and, and get a big player to help them out. And EA, kind of looking at the opposite side, we're talking about rookies, and there was a rookie in this game who kind of lit it up for Calgary. Um, Ia Gavrilova, she scores twice to lift the Inferno to this victory. And kind of to Kyle's point, Laura Dam, she faced 52 shots, having to make 47 saves. I mean, is that, is that uh, you know, one of the arguments that people made last year about Boston College was that, you know, um, wow, why am I blanking? Uh, Katie Burt didn't face enough shots to get um, her team to where they needed to be. So when you're looking at, you know, the rookies on Calgary and what they're doing going into this season as the defending champs, do you see them as the favorite or is this just a, a case of, hey, they're playing a weaker team? I don't know that I'd say they're the favorite right now. I think they're definitely a contender. I think they just played a team that's completely lopsided. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's that's tough. I mean, talking about Dan, though, I mean, just being able to make all those saves. I say the same thing about Brittany Ott. Uh, you know, she is on, on the other side of of women's hockey seen as, you know, a really good keeper or excuse me, goaltender, not soccer. Um, not soccer yet. Um, but and and I don't doubt I don't doubt that. Um but it's also telling when you're the team in front of you basically is controlling the puck. The other team to shoot one shot on goal in an entire period and then only double that um, in the second period, that's that's not giving your defense, um, arguably, and certainly not your goalie, uh, an opportunity to um, to really showcase their best. And that's a great point. Kyle, Genevieve Lacasse made 10 saves last night, or excuse me, on Saturday um, against the Blades. I mean, 10 saves compared to 47 saves? Yeah, uh, well, it, and and we used to say Genevieve Lacasse might have had, you know, 52 shots on, on her last year, and she would have saved 50 of them, you know. And so I don't know what happened on the one, but I'm assuming – you know, she just royally got fooled on that one or, or there was a tip that it wasn't her fault because I would say if you give uh, only 11 shots on Genevieve Lacasse, you're probably not scoring on that night. So the Blades might have gotten lucky to get one on the board. I think it'd be interesting to talk with her. I mean, going from one team to the next, you know, what what's going through her mind and then also being cycled back through Team Canada. Um, you know, would she prefer one over the other? Uh, is is getting, you know, that few shots on net kind of, you know, um, I guess her prize for having <laughs> endured last season. I don't know. It'd just be interesting <laughs> to see what her take is on it, knowing that she's got this season, of course, but then potentially, you know, an Olympic. Um, she, she's uh, looking toward the Olympics as well, and to be able to compete with Team Canada. We're going to see Team Canada and Team USA and a bunch of the other national teams, international teams, playing more as the Olympics get closer. Kyle, we've talked at length about the goaltending on this team in the second game, which usually seems Boston plays better. Um, that didn't happen. It was a 9-2 to two score with the Inferno winning. Brianne Jenner, she had quite a game, three goals, two assists. Bailey Bram, she combined for another two goals uh, and, a, and a few assists. But we're talking about goaltending. Jetta Ratcliffe, 
she was just picked up by the Blades and, you know, trying to get Dan some, I guess, some resting time. But even in this game, she, she, she allows seven goals in 35 minutes. Dan has to come right back in um, after thinking she was going to get the day off. And it, it doesn't end up that way. So I want to I wanna really ask you this question, Cal, and I don't mean it to stir any controversy or anything, but we saw last weekend with Brampton and Toronto kind of giving Calgary and Montreal respectively some fits in the game. Do you think that there's an added motivation for these Canadian teams to kind of beat up on Boston? I I I don't think so. I I think that they're just going out and playing the way that they play and I just think that unfortunately the Blades are going to finish in last again this year because they are clearly the the team that has the worst offense and currently has the worst goaltending. And it it's tough to say that and I hate to say that because I'd like to see them compete. Uh this is a team that that won the Clarkson Cup uh, just a short while ago, and and they were on top of the world. And unfortunately, with the way ho- the hockey world happened, uh, you know, they kind of were left out as the the uh, the stepchild, left out in the cold. And you know, I it's tough, but but they are they are not in the same league as Calgary or Lays Canadiens or. You know, I, Brampton and Toronto are playing much better of late too, and I, and I guess I have to say them as well. And that's a great point, Delaney Bryan. She made 16 saves on 18 shots. She picked up the two wins in Boston a couple of weeks ago. Uh, seeing her back in action, she looked really good in that. Uh, when you're thinking about the Blades and that offense, they relied on rookie Megan Greaves out of Boston College uh, to score two out of those three goals. And I, I kind of agree with you, Kyle. You can't there's no identity on this team coming into this season. And I think that's kind of where the blades drop the ball is, you know, we, we come in thinking, yeah, it's, it's going to be goaltending and we'll clean up a, a few things, but 16 rookies, two of them goaltenders. I mean, this team's going through a complete makeover. Which to say, when you know, I, last year they needed a makeover and they didn't, you know, get any sort of, you know, I, I, I go back to the the Winter Classic and and talking to uh, the commissioner, Brenda uh, Andrus, and she said that, that there was going to be some help for Boston just the same way that Brampton had gotten some help a couple of years before. And, and that said to me that maybe there were going to be some, some trades or there was going to be some, some draft selections that were going to help out the Boston team. And, and none of that came to fruition. And Unfortunately, now, again, I'll say it again, they, they left Boston out to dry. And, you know, a lot of the great things in hockey happen in the second half of the season. We are approaching that winter break for, for the professional leagues. And you see it in college hockey, some, especially with rookies. They don't get their skates under them until about January. So we'll see what happens with the Blades in January. I'm not ready to give up on them yet. I, I know it's I'm, – I'm like that little cat you see on those motivational pictures, just, just hanging on by a thread. Um, I, that's where I am right now. But I, I think as a Blades fan, it is kind of tough. Um, but, but I also, you know, on the opposite end, I think it's really cool to see Calgary perform to this level. And, yeah, it's against the Blades, but I do think they're a dangerous team, uh, especially come that series against less Canadians than Montreal. Definitely. And, and as we said, you know, that's coming up in just a couple of weeks. 
Um, but I mean, even so, even if you are hanging on like a cat, I mean, it may be difficult to, to, to get up into the top four already. I mean, there's seven points behind the next closest was, which is Brampton and Brampton's starting to play better. And they are 11 points behind Toronto already. I mean, this could be insurmountable and we're only, we're not even at the end of November. That's, that's a great point. And you brought up a great team, the Brampton Thunder. They're playing great hockey as of late. And they go into Montreal and they earn a series split this weekend. EA, when you're thinking about less Canadians, you know, again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you look at the, the kind of the two top teams right now, they're looking for, I guess, a shot at redemption after losing the Clarkson Cup last season. But it seems like in the past two weeks they've, they've slumped a little bit, falling to the Furies last weekend, and getting swept by the Furies last weekend, and then dropping a game to Brampton. Uh, so losing three out of their last four. Is there panic in Montreal right now, or are you okay? I mean, I wouldn't panic if I were a Montreal fan. Um, I mentioned maybe a week or two ago that, you know, maybe they're just a team that has just been able – hasn't been able to pace out coming together at the right time, at the opportune time for a playoff run. And so maybe this will throw them out of syncopation and they'll have to uh, regroup and and regather, which might allow them to extend um, and peak at the right time. So I wouldn't worry. This is a team that has a lot of talent and people go through slumps. uh, Not sure how much of, um, you know, the, the adjusting with, Four Nations and other things that people are focused on being so close to an Olympic year. Um, I mean, I don't know. You could you could go off on and on and say a bunch of things, but I don't think La Canadian fans need to worry just yet. And Kyle, I'll move that over to you. Montreal, they needed to come back in that first game after trailing in the third period to win in overtime 4-3. to three. Carolyn Olette, she's been phenomenal all season. She scores the game-tying goal in the third and then the game-winning goal two minutes into overtime. When you think about these two teams, it looked like last week they were going in opposite directions. Um, but now those Furies wins, they're, they're not just, oh, well, that, that can happen. When you look at what Brampton was able to do. Right, and, and I'm going to bounce. I'm, I'm going to echo what, uh, what EA said there too. I, I really wonder now, after this past weekend, I wonder if that Four Nations Cup did take something out of them, because you do have quite a few players on the on the Les Canadiens who did go over to Europe to play in the Four Nations Cup, and and you don't see as many players on the Brampton roster uh, on that roster as well. There were some, but not quite as many, and and maybe just that extra time gelling together for you know Toronto last week or Brampton this week was able to help them, uh, you know, overcome the extra added talent that I believe Montreal has. And, and Montreal certainly did their part in, in this game anyways, out shooting and putting pucks on net and, and giving themselves the opportunity to win. And I think in the end, that's, that's the only reason they were able to hang on. And this one was just more shots on goal. And to that point, the Thunder scored, all three goals on Saturday um, on the power play, three three of four on the power play to kind of get that lead. Um, Liz Knox, she made 35 saves for Brampton. 
unfortunately falling in overtime, or fortunately for, for less Canadians fans, um, falling in overtime. Charlene Labonte, she made 19 saves. In game two, the Thunder score another three power play goals, this time on seven chances. They get the game-winning goal from Jamie Lee Retray, um, I think with a minute left in overtime, on the power play again. Erica Howe got the start this time for Brampton. She made 26 saves. Charlene Labonte, uh, 27 saves in that second game. When you're thinking about these two teams playing in overtime and then going into next weekend, what are your thoughts about Montreal kind of, you know, I guess for me personally, I thought they were the favorite. And then to see how great in the Inferno were or are so far this season, they've kind of jumped that in my mental preseason or post-current season notes. Um, do you see it falling in that way? I asked EA if it would be Calgary and Montreal. But for you, Kyle, do you think it's going to be Calgary and Montreal? I do. I think Brampton is a is a high-scoring team. We saw them last year, you know, almost take down the Inferno in the semifinals. Um, and, and I really like the Bram, Brampton uh, team when they are playing on full strength. Um, you know, I think next, year, next week, I mean, it will be a, a big test for them. Uh, they got, they have to play Toronto next week. Montreal, I hate to say that this again, but they probably get two easy wins next week because they're coming down to, to play Boston. Um, but, you know, heading into the Calgary matchup the week after, I don't know that that's really a great thing for Montreal to, to take anything off of the gas pedal um, heading into that big matchup December 10th with Calgary. All right, EA, over or under? Less Canadians score 11 or more goals this upcoming weekend. <laughs> oh, man. I am not a gambling woman by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> so I'm not even completely sure what that term means. But I think what you're trying to I, – I would go under. So I think they're going to score less than that. Right? That's what that okay. means. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you got that. All right. How about okay, you, cool. I mean, we, we saw less Canadians score 11 in one game. Uh, can they do it in two? You're saying you're saying total eleven. I'm saying total in the in the in the in the weekend. In the okay, weekend. Okay, I'm, I'm going over then because they they might do it again in one game. So oh, yeah, I, I gotta go over there. <laughs> I'm gonna right, yeah, I'm gonna bad. stick with the under. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna stick with the under. Stick yeah, with, I'm gonna okay, stick, stick with, with the under yeah. there. All right, all right. Uh, you know what? Can I go even if we're all going to go one way or another? Can I just say 11? <laughs> Why not? Somebody will be uh, right. Uh, of course. All right. So, somebody's going to work it out. Uh, we'll talk about it next week. But um, if you want to catch those games, Montreal versus Boston will be on CWHL Live. You can catch that on YouTube. Wow. Um, Toronto and – excuse me. Um, or excuse me. Yeah, Toronto and Brampton will be yeah. going at it. Um this upcoming weekend, that game will be in Brampton. You can catch those updates on Twitter. Follow each team uh, if you'd like updates there. All right, from CWHL action to NWHL action, we had some great uh, callers in last week from New York Riveters. want to extend that thank you again this week um, to Ashley Johnston. And why am I blanking? I knew that was going to happen. Happy on the Raptor. There we go. Um, I said it in my head. I'm like, all right, you got to do this. We got you, Kathy. Um, we got you. Yeah. <laughs> but the NWHL is on a holiday break this past weekend, and de- deservedly so. Uh, but a lot of news has been coming out since our show on Monday, and obviously since the news broke on Thursday, uh, of the NWHL player salary cuts. We've also heard this week through various sources that players are moving back home. 
Um, sort of echoing those thoughts that we heard on our podcast on Monday. Just wanted to touch base with both of you. Um, your thoughts, you know, the week has gone by. We've, we've seen more and more come out. What are your thoughts about what's going on with the NW right now? Go ahead, Ia. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's hard to know. I mean, I, I definitely have thoughts, but most of them are what is really going on. Uh, as you mentioned, Tatiana Rafter and Ashley Johnston of the Riveters were, um, you know, gracious enough to uh, jo- join us on last week's show where Tatiana mentioned that some of her former Buffalo um, teammates are moving back home to Ontario and the Boston area, respectively, um, you know, and those are accommodations that players are having to make. Uh, the NWHL released a statement, I suppose. Um, it was very general, just stating, very. <laughs> uh, right, just stating that the teams will be playing the games that were scheduled. But um, as we know, and we talked to Tatiana and, and uh, Stretch, the players had four, a list of four things that they wanted to get answers um, to before committing to um, signing the addendum. So I'm assuming that there were conversations again, Tatiana and stretch mentioned that the riveters had, or were going to have a sit down with the league. I'm assuming that that went through, Um, you know, but we just don't really know what's going on. Hopefully it was enough to um, get the players on board but even if it was, I'm not sure what that means as far as the viability of the league for this season or next. And Kyle, we'll swing it over to you for, for your response. Yeah, and again, I you know, everything that I have is questions because so little has come out. And, and even the, as EA said, the, the uh, release that came out today just said that they're going to play. Well, does that mean everybody's playing? Does that mean that... You know, other people had to work things out to be able to be there. Are we going to see more healthy scratches this week uh, Mm -hmm. that just Mm -hmm. can't find a way to make it to whatever game it is? You know, that's those are some big question marks still that we have. And we haven't heard any more about, you know, new sponsors or or more, uh, you know, any sort of more income coming in for the NWHL and its players. Right. Right. Other than I can say that I personally bought two jerseys this past weekend. So I'm, I'm going to be rolling fresh into games this weekend. Who'd you get? Uh, I, I'm going to withhold my, oh. my statements, but I will say that I did get a Riveters jersey. <laughs> and I nice. did get a Whale jersey. Nice. Uh, I, I feel I think like, I know. yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I have a pretty <laughs> of how you're rolling. I feel like it's all right. It's cool. Two rookies? Maybe. Yes. Uh, all right. I think that's all we're getting yet. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, hey, and, you know, I guess on that note is, you know, tomorrow's Giving Tuesday, and, you know, today's Cyber Monday, Black Friday, all that craziness. Um, stay tuned for a special announcement on MyW Sports social media Um Tomorrow for Giving Tuesday, we have something we want to try to do with the upcoming donations um, to kind of help this whole thing um, going on with the NWHL. So stay tuned for that. And I had one more thought that I completely just forgot about. Um, But I guess to to your point, Kyle, when you're thinking about, you know, doing things for the players in support of the league, 
and EA, you can jump on this as well. What do you, what made you kind of say, hey, this is what I'm going to do? Well, you know, the, the jersey sales and the jersey sales, I know that a percentage of that goes straight to uh, player contracts, player um, uh, income. And I right. think that that's a, really a key thing here to think about is what can we do to help the players? Because as we heard last week from Ashley Johnson and Tatiana Raptor, you know, they want to make sure that this continues, not just for themselves, but for girls that are playing that are just starting out in hockey or need that role model to take a look at and be able to go see and be able to go to Buffalo or New York or, or Connecticut or Boston and see these players playing in action. And I think that, that the players, whether it's called the NWHL or whether it's called something else, the players are going to find a way to play. Right. And, and that's what I want to support. I want to support the players. And I would add to that, I think it is important, especially given the situation, if if there's a chance to support the players directly and, I mean, hopefully immediately, we don't know what the turnover is for their piece of that commission, so to speak. Um, but, you know, the players were put in a, a difficult situation and for them to come out and try to support and essentially save the league as as provide that opportunity for for girls and and young women I think is very admirable but with that said it goes back to sponsorship and and you know some of the questions and what is the hockey community so I'm not just going to put this on Commissioner Danny Ryland but what is the hockey community going to do for women's hockey because it's great if Devin Skeets and Harrison Brown and uh, a bunch of other players in the league are committing and making sacrifices. Ashley Johnston, this is her second season commuting from, I think she said two hours one way. Chad Wiseman commutes several hours one way. What are we doing to ensure that the sacrifices that they're all making are not in vain? Because if the league doesn't survive or, um, you know, if the if the league does survive but doesn't have more sponsors, how long will it survive? If the league doesn't survive, another league comes around, but it still doesn't get the sponsorship, then what What then? Are we going to continue to have women hockey players have to sacrifice, work multiple jobs, and basically – um, you know, be juggling multiple careers just for the love of the game when there are professional athletes in other sports that, yes, they do it for the love of the game, but they also get paid um, adequately. They they have the resources that they need to train and keep their body fit. And not all NWHL players have that right now. Not all female hockey players have that right now. So again, my question is for the greater hockey hockey community, what is the hockey community going to do um, to support and promote women's hockey, not just girls? Everyone likes to, you know, promote the idea of this eight-year-old girl with, a, you know, the glimmer in her eye. Well, you know, if she takes a close look at her professional um, idol and her jersey is tattered and, you know, she doesn't have new shorts, they're sewn together, you know, it, it, the shine kind of washes away after a while. And that's a that's an excellent point, EA, and, you know, it's on you and on, on us as individuals. We all support the hockey community and uh, the growth of the game to, to do more than just a retweet, to do more than just um, – putting together these, these 
you know, statuses on social media. Um, it, it's on us, and I think that's a great way to put it, EA, is to make sure that the fans of the game also help the growth of the game, not just partake in it. Um, so from, from that, we, uh, we welcome you to, to go take a listen to our last show. Uh, you can find it on iTunes, SoundCloud, any popular podcasting app, uh, and, and give it a listen. Listen to the story of Ashley Johnson and Tatiana Rafter, um, and you'll be able to hear that when you're searching through all these news networks, picking up the story, the stories of athletes who, who is really what it boils down to, their commitment to this league and commitment to the game. Um, it's very, very important. So go give that a listen uh, when you have a chance. Um, from hockey, we move from professional hockey to collegiate hockey. EA, you mentioned some of these players looking forward to playing professionally. We, have, we had a great weekend of action. Uh, a lot of the top teams playing in tournaments or non-conference matchups. We saw number one, Wisconsin, take down Cornell in two games, 3-0 to and 5-2 to were the scores in that one. Minnesota took down Bemidji State, 4-0 and 4-1. St. Lawrence had no games this weekend. They got to enjoy the holiday break, so they were off. Minnesota Duluth, they uh, ended up going to Harvard. Mara Crawwell, excuse me, she returned back to the Crimson Ice and took two games away from Harvard, 4-1 and 2-1 that second game going into overtime for the Bulldogs. And then Clarkson, they tied Robert Morris in the Windjammer Classic and then felt, or excuse me, defeated Vermont 3-1. to uh, Quick notes here, Boston College defeated Northeastern, the only top 10 matchup of the weekend, 4-2 for BC. And Kyle, this one's for you. Merrimack, the team only in its second year of program history, they win the Nutmeg Classic, taking down Quinnipiac and Yale in the on the weekend. As well as Hockey East uh, Defensive Player of the Week, Sam Ridgewell, with just an amazing week for the Merrimack Warriors. Oh, you were prepared for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Go Warriors. <laughs> so no, no I, big surprises this year. Uh, oh, excuse me, this year, this this weekend. Um, Kyle, what would you what caught your attention if anything did this past uh, weekend in hockey? Well, see, I think there was I think there was surprises because I think that what we just saw this past weekend is the dominance of the WCHA, and I think every other team needs to be fearful. When you just saw Wisconsin come in and and crush a a Cornell team who had been getting better, you see a Minnesota Duluth team come in and handle team in two games you know I I think that I think this weekend really showed us that that WCHA those top three specifically uh are going to be very difficult to beat when we get into the uh the the final eight and EA I'll move that over to you we see St. Lawrence hanging around at number three they've they've had an impressive season undefeated so far um but what excuse me but what caught your attention on the weekend well, I was not focused on hockey this weekend, so I could answer that, but it might not be the appropriate time. There is certainly a lot of other NCAA action that caught my eye, but I want to I want us to be able to finish up on hockey. Absolutely. Um well, I guess I guess for me, I, I just think the rankings this week, they kind of kept everybody the same. Um and you saw Clarkson, you know, tie Robert Morris. I don't think BC would tie Robert Morris, but that's the BC guy in me. Um and I, I really thought it was interesting to see the games between Minnesota and Bemidji State. Bemidji State used to give Minnesota a, a really tough time, um, but it seems like it seems like Minnesota's clicking 
at the right time going into this winter break because I do, even though Wisconsin's at number one, I do see Minnesota and Wisconsin playing each other later in the Frozen Four possibly, um, and we might see what we saw last year with Minnesota winning. Kyle, what are your thoughts? Well, the good news is we won't have to wait that long because we'll get to see him ahead of time. Whether it's whether it's in the uh, the finals of the WCHA uh, tournament as well, or as you said in the in the uh, Frozen Four somewhere down the line. But but yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be an unbelievable matchup. You know, I I do like Minnesota. However, whenever you have to face Anne Renee Daysbiens, you know she's a very difficult goaltender to beat. And, you know, Minnesota lost a little bit of firepower this past year uh, to the to the NWHL specifically. And uh, they might they might not be able to, to get it as much by days BNs as they did last year. Absolutely. It's going to be really interesting. And we saw day BNs kind of give up a couple of goals um, this season. It's going to be real, really exciting come, you know, February and March uh, when conferences are, are playing each other and those conference tournaments come around. Um, but speaking of tournaments, we've gotten from hockey to soccer. And, I mean, EA, I'm, I'm, I have a big smile on my face because I've been keeping track of this soccer tournament. And I'm, I'm just so happy with myself that I have because I've seen some incredible games. In the Elite Eight alone, we saw four one-zero games. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, I think um, it, it really, truly, the, if, if you've been keeping up with women's soccer, this season has been amazing. Um, lots of teams being able to, to really take it the distance, lots of overtime wins, a uh, few really clutch shutouts, or excuse me, shootouts, um, so, or PKs. Um, I think it's been a great season, so I'm not surprised that we're seeing this in um, in the tournament. So, but now we are officially to that part of the tournament where in, in soccer, we are at the college cup. So not the final four, uh, but the college cup. So, and we have two teams making it to the college cup for the first time. And, uh, but let's start with, uh, you know, the usual suspect, North Carolina Tar Heels, they defeat South Carolina. That's a one nil victory. Uh, so North Carolina, definitely not one of those first timers. Uh, West Virginia, that's a team you've spoken about before, Lewis. They beat the other Carolina team, Duke. Um, and so it is West Virginia making their first College Cup appearance. Georgetown ends the magical Santa Clara run. Georgetown is uh, in their first College Cup appearance. And then it is um, finally Auburn, is, is their run is finished by the Trojans, USC, uh, and that will lead us to Friday where we will have both games on starting at 5 p.m. I want to say, yes, it's West Virginia, North Carolina at 5 p.m., USC, Georgetown, 7.30. Well, definitely set your calendars. Those games will be on ESPNU. You can catch them live on TV or with the Watch ESPN app anywhere, um, but really good to see two teams in West Virginia, excuse me, West Virginia, and uh, Georgetown making their first College Cup appearances. USC will be there for the first time since 2007, where they won the national title. And as EA said, the powerhouse, North Carolina, they're back in it. So beware of those Tar Heels. From soccer action in the tournament, let's move to our Selection Sunday showcase that featured NCAA volleyball tournament coming up. Kyle, 
Um, I'm a little disappointed, but, but what are your thoughts? We might have. All right. So he might be on mute, you know, the, the, the old tricky mute button. Um, but <laughs> for, for Kyle, we'll just say Nebraska was awarded a number one seed, Minnesota number two, Wisconsin number three. Um, there was a lot of action going on for the volleyball um, coming into this weekend. Washington, they were, a, you know, a top seed favorite, but they fall to an eighth seed. They will have a quarterfinal, a quarterfinal showdown with Nebraska if those teams can get there. Who knows? Uh, a bunch of upsets could take place. And Kyle made a note that, yes, it was a tough draw for Hawaii. Um, Hawaii will get USC first, and if they win that matchup, they will play against the Gophers of Minnesota. So another, another tough bracket for Hawaii, but as they did last year, they can shock the world and make a run. Uh, and then Kyle mentioned this as well. The Cinderella might be San Diego. Check out San Diego um, in this week's tournament as they get ready to kind of hopefully go on a run, as Kyle alluded to. Um, we'll try to get Kyle back on the line in just a moment. EA, let's move over to basketball. You were over at Springfield uh, at the Basketball Hall of Fame to, to catch an NCAA action. Yeah, I sure was. And, you know, a lot of people were making a lot of the second game of the lineup, which was uh, the University of South Carolina – um, and the University of Louisville, uh, going into the weekend, they were the number three and number four teams, respectively. However, I really got to say, some of the other, this, the first game of the lineup, and I was tweeting from the MyW Sports account, the first game of the lineup, St. Peter's University versus Bowling Green State. We go into overtime. This was a battle. This was a battle, but it is Bowling Green State University that comes out victorious. Uh, in the again, we see South Carolina and Louisville. I think we were expecting that game to be a little closer than it was. Uh, it was Asia Durr scored, I believe, 10 buckets in the first five minutes, but was held to 13 points. Heard Louisville Cardinals are defeated by South Carolina 83 59. Uh, so that backcourt for South Carolina doing amazing things. But going back to the Basketball Hall of Fame Women's Challenge, fourth annual Women's Challenge, the third game was Hampton University versus Lafayette. And this was another close one, really came down the wire, uh, but it is Hampton that is able to be victorious. And then finally, the University of Maine versus UT Chattanooga, special place in my heart, UT Chattanooga is in the is in the Southern Conference. Elon was once in the Southern Conference, and um, we talked about Alani Marchant, uh, who is a Canadian runner who is a mox. She ran for the University of but fall University of Maine. What was great speaking to the coaches after the women's challenge was just how exciting um, it is for the players, especially for those not in the area to be playing at the basketball or near the basketball hall of fame, getting to see in the case of South Carolina, their coach in the hall of fame um, visiting the sites, but then also for St. Peter's university for Lafayette college, being able to play in the circuit with South Carolina, Louisville, and teams of of the of that stature, you know, where we have those games on ESPN. So overall, I thought it was a great showcase. Unfortunately, going back to exposure, not well attended. And I, I believe Rebecca Lobo even made mention. I saw her in the crowd. Um, that cheap tickets, great lineup, but 
no one in the stands. So we really got to, again, what is basketball going to do for women's basketball? Was there, a added, was there an added uh, attendance for the UConn game? UConn was not in this one. UConn, I believe, is playing ah, elsewhere. Yeah. That's so they why. Have, well, 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 Kyle. Now, that's not helping grow the game overall. Again, no, you have I agree. the number three versus the number four team. And, again, not to mention, in my personal opinion, I watched all four games back to back to back to back. And that first game was exciting, back and forth. Um, and so it was just a, a missed opportunity, I think. But, again, kudos to the Basketball Hall of Fame. This is the fourth annual Women's Challenge, the stretch of the Women's Challenge right in Springfield, Massachusetts. Uh, was that um, uh, what they called the college circuit so on campuses, which I'm sure uh, hopefully had a, had a good draw. Um, but, again, you know, just want to see the game grow. Yeah, I just I, I find it a little bit of a bummer that UConn really draws such a, a good crowd, and and yet those those fans didn't travel the very short distance to Springfield to be able to go to this this as you said this great lineup. I mean, you have two, three, four, two, two, no, three, four, five, mm-hmm. and eight in the country all playing, as, as well as as other top twenty five teams as well going head to head and. And they, they weren't able to, to pull the UConn fans, unfortunately. Well, I guess they just need to hire you and I, Kyle, and we'll get it done for them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> well, now that we, uh, we've got that all cleared up and we're kind of running out of time, Kyle, I just want to get you back in on this, on this volleyball talk. A lot of great teams joining this, uh, this tournament field. What, what, what are you looking forward to in the NCAA tournament? <laughs> Yeah, I think you hit all the, the solid points there. I think it's a really tough field this year. Uh, we'll have more on it in the next couple of weeks, um, but certainly it, it's going to be curious to see what Washington does coming out of that eighth seed, having to face Nebraska in the quarterfinals. You know, if that, if that could be a huge upset opportunity for Washington, they might just be able to take advantage of that. And I think San Diego is a team that that has played very well so far this year. And uh, the, their road to get there could be could be a, a little bit of a Cinderella story there to follow. Yeah, and and just just because I like doing this during our shows, Kyle wrote a little note in our rundown this week, <laughs> and he put a little sad face next to uh to, to Hawaii, and um he said, and you know I said I call a committee because that that's you know BS to give them SC and then Minnesota, and he says what. Give them a chance. They're barely a state. Oh, Kyle, my Hawaii fans, all my peoples in Hawaii are going to come after you for that one. <laughs> Since you won't Wahina, say that to Kai. <laughs> <laughs> well, as always, we like to have fun here on My W Sports, Sports Monday. Follow us on social media at My W Sports uh, as we bring you Motivational Monday, Top Player Tuesday, Women in History Wednesday, Throwback Thursday, and, of course, Friday Favorites. If you have any ideas, for any of these days on social media, shoot us a message. Uh, we'd love to get it out there. And, of course, it is social – excuse me, it is Motivational Monday. Um, so this week we will give you our motivational quote from MyW Sports, and it's from WNBA legend Lisa Leslie. It's, quote, unquote, or quote, uh, everyone talks about age, but it's not about age. It's about work ethic. Winning never gets old. Truer words have never been spoken. So shout out. Lisa Leslie for that quote, and thank you for Kyle Westbrook and Eric Ayala for joining me 
on MyW Sports, Sports Monday, all of you for listening. And, again, shoot us a message. Shoot us some love on social media. You could always follow us at MyW Sports. Again, for all of us here, have a great week.